Today's episode is brought to you by Vine and Olive Eatery and Wine Bar, located in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, on Main Street in Riverstone. The perfect wrap to a busy day. Visit vineandolivecda.com. Welcome to the Business Buffet Podcast with Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. This is a conversation in and around business with a pinch here and a sprinkle there of anecdotal stories. Like most buffets, we too will offer the business staples. In addition, we'll offer up a smorgasbord of special business strategies too. Our Business Buffet podcast aims to give you the fundamental principles and strategies any successful business needs to know. We hope you're hungry as the Business Buffet is open and ready to serve. Now, here is Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Business Buffet, another episode coming at you. Hopefully you are hungry and ready ready to uh, be satisfied by some business ideas and strategies. Um, the, the question, I, our title of today's episode is what is consumer friction? And Ed and I talked a little bit about this. I believe it's actually a, a coined phrase, but I'm gonna ask you, Ed, because I want to get this out of the way right off the top, because it drives me nuts. Um, there's a tried and true payment form of checks and cash that businesses accept for services and product. At least for a couple of hundred years, cash has worked out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, a plethora of ways. How many ways do you accept payment from your clients? Well, like cash, check, credit card. Um, I, I guess that's it cash, check, credit card, and you know, all the major credit cards. But there are other, there are other ways now that people are paying, uh, throw out Venmo uh, as one, um, as a digital currency, uh, well, not really digital currency, but it, it draws from your account. Yeah, it, it's like an ACH transfer. So I guess technically, right. yeah, we take ACH. And how about Facebook? You know, I, I don't take Facebook but it's more because I don't like Facebook's activities. But I know you do take, well, actually maybe you don't. Maybe that never went through, did it? Mm-mm. There was a time that I tried to pay you through right, Facebook right. and you just almost drove over to my house and smacked me upside the head. Well, I don't know if I was gonna smack you upside the <laughs> I was certainly gonna flatten the tire. There you go. Now, that's how come my tire was flat. But I digress, uh, but Facebook is an option for many. Uh, there are lots of ways to take payments. Now, the reason I ask this is that I believe there are businesses and companies that think so highly of themselves or are just so lazy that they just want to do business their way. And by doing business just their way, it's very limiting and it's making customers jump through hoops sometimes. You know that I can see both sides of this one. Um, it's while it is convenient in business school they did teach us receive the payment however your client wants to give it to you but each one of these systems requires that you add some software do something administratively how many systems should a business be responsible for maintaining just to receive a boutique version of payments well uh, you know uh your PayPal account can be hooked up to your business. Uh, I guess if I'm accepting a payment through Venmo, uh, I would then have to turn that into, well, I could probably send the money into my business account. 
So there are ways of doing that, but yeah, the more out there you get, the more administrative you're gonna to have to be. Well, we forget the cost to accounting. We, we do have to pay for the, the accounting time. And if our bookkeeper is having to receive payment six different ways every single day, and each one of those requires just five minutes of interface with a unique set of software, it's 30 minutes of time that we're burning time's money. Don't we call that sometimes the cost of doing business? Very, very good point. Yes. And, and we can debate what is, what, what are uh, justified items that are the cost of doing business and what are not. But for the topic of today, which is to try to make things convenient for your customer by making things as friction free as possible. Um, this last, this last, uh, just recently, we did appraised homes here in Coeur d'Alene. And we got in the car and I said, uh, so where are we going first? She says, I don't know, let me look it up on my phone. Couldn't find anything. So we remembered seeing a sign that said Parade of Homes the day before. So we went to that general area, found the sign, found the home. And when I went in to purchase the tickets, and they said, you know, uh, you could have this information online for those of us who didn't have anything hard copy. Oh, well, it's right here in this magazine. It's like, I don't have the magazine. I didn't know where you were. They almost didn't have us participate in any of the Prada homes. Had we not seen that sign the day before to try to figure that out, how long do they expect now, consumer is, is a really loose term in this because we're just going through these high-end homes. But what's the expectation, the time spent to find out where we would need to go before we just abort the whole thing and gain three hours of the afternoon? You know, it's interesting. I, I didn't even make the connection when you emailed over that we were going to talk about this topic. It wasn't until just now that I've got an excellent connection to this whole idea. I'm a treasurer in a, the, the Coeur d'Alene Symphony. And when I joined the board, everybody kept telling me, nobody here buys tickets to an event until just the week before. It's the last week when everybody comes in and buys their tickets. And Sometimes the last day. If we make it such that the only time they see the material for the event is the week of the performance. Is that a friction that we're putting in place of being able to sell tickets earlier? And I digress because I just ran an event for the symphony and 16 weeks of preparation, which to me is still not a lot. I like to have 52 weeks, but we got this opportunity for Garrison Keeler, donated his time, and I took whatever time we had and that's what we did. And we sold the place out. We were sold out. We were 90% sold out two weeks before the event. And I still only sold the last 10% in, in the last two weeks. So I think you're onto something here. I think it's the friction. If we make it hard for our customers until right up to the moment when they purchase, that's why the symphony is experiencing this dilemma that nobody buys their tickets. It's really not them. a dilemma when you think about it, right? It, it's just it's a planned execute, it, and it's and it's being organized and having a strategy and being intentional on how you get the word out. 
And that requires having answers to a lot of things that are involved in putting on events such as what you did. It's a fundraising event. Well, and doesn't every small business struggle with this same dilemma? It's not just once, it's every single day. 365 days a year, your business should be preparing for that new customer to find you. And if you're making it hard for them to find you, let alone do business with you and give you money just to find you, you're right. This is the friction. And it's, and it's interesting too, because I have many a conversation. Well, I picked up a client recently that <clears throat> is releasing a book. The book has not been published and is not ready to purchase. And he wanted to hold back on all social media until like a week or two before. Like, are you, no, <laughs> I, this is something where we have to set the table. We have to go out. We have to, to, to come up with interest. We have to get you a following so that when you do release the book, it, you've already got a tribe that is, is eager to purchase it because of the, of the teasing that you've essentially done with the tidbits of the book or excerpts of the book. And it's interesting because, and, and we'll do an episode on this down the road, 70% is better than nothing. Everybody seems to want the perfect scenario before they do anything. What did you say at lunch earlier today about, oh, it was actually a topic, a topic of our podcast. We could have all these drafts, but eventually we have to go live. You're not making any money while your stuff is in draft mode. Yep. Very interesting. Um, another conflict that I recently um, experienced had to do with my friends at Lowe's again. I know this is a, we're very young in our podcast um, history and I've already brought Lowe's up twice. Sorry, Lowe's, uh, do better and I won't. Um, was purchasing, I'm making a chicken coop, was purchasing some chicken wire. And uh, I brought, I told them the role that I had because I went into the self load area and told them I got some plywood, I got some two by twos told them we got 25 foot roll of 36 inch, one inch chicken wire, poultry netting, however you want to call it. She could not find it. After literally four minutes of her looking up the price, I said, look, I'll go back out. And I took a picture of the barcode and brought it in. And then she, she found it. Why is, why is the onus on me to do that? Computers. It is computers. It is computers. I remember when the first computerized checkout system hit one of the stores that we frequented. And the gal then at least had the excuse, I don't know how to use these things. We haven't received that much training. But that was 35 years ago. I don't think the woman you worked with at Lowe's the other day can use that one. Uh, Ed, when we talk about consumer friction, what comes to mind as, well, let me, let me phrase it this way. Do companies and businesses really have to think of everything when it comes to making it easy for the consumer to do business with them? And by everything, I mean, you know, when I talked about the parade of homes, do they have to go digital? Do they, just every component that is necessary to make a smooth, transaction. Ultimately, you're trying to get the transaction, which is a product or service that you're trying to sell. 
You know, it's a great question, and it, it's kind of a catch-22. Nobody can be prepared for everything. Can't and be, you don't know what you don't know, for one thing. Well, that and then technology is moving at the speed of business. And the business now is light speed. When I was in college, I had to make a conscious decision for my computer science degree whether I was going to go software or database. And software would be more the network side, or was I going to be a database guy? And I saw even back then in the early 90s that the challenge was going to be you can't do it all. I think small businesses need to have a mindset to be open to new ideas, but also have the discipline to know when new ideas are going to overload their business. So I would say no and yes. No, they don't need to do everything. They need to listen to their customers so when something new pops up. But yes, in that they need to be able to identify those technologies or those changes in business that are catching hold with their customers. So this can be uh, indirect as well, not just direct uh, to the actual transaction. Um, I was in a place the other day and I needed to use the restroom. No. Do you need to use the restroom before you go any further? No, I, I just went. Okay, beautiful. But I do know this can be sometimes an issue for folks and I really needed to go and I'm like, I can just hold out and be a little uncomfortable or just seek the restroom and go, and which I did. And the, the men's restroom was closed for, for cleaning. But the lady was right there, scared the crap out of her when I approached her. I said, didn't mean to startle you, now well, you, you know what I put up with. You know, at your age, the idea of being pampered has a completely different well, meaning. Where's the rim shot when you need it? Uh, thank you for that. But, uh, and I try to get back on track because that was a really good one. Um, I said, I, I need to use the restroom. She says, I'm cleaning it. Can you come back in about 15 minutes? I'll just use the women's restroom. No, you can't do that. Clean up aisle too. Yeah, right? And so I waited a second. She said, well, I, I can let you use it. Um, you know, I'll be nice today. I normally say no. And my first thought was, you're going to be nice today. That sounds like it's a... Not it's the exception more than the rule. That's kind of a company company culture issue, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, she did let me use it. Was in and out. Thanked her. She was nice. But it really struck me as is you you have to go out of your way to be nice to do something like this. Uh, as Ed McMahon said in a story, one of my favorite stories, was flying first class, got off the plane, and there's going to be a lot of people who have no clue who Ed McMahon is. We do. Uh, the flight attendant says, Mr. McMahon, I just have to tell you, we have a lot of celebrities that fly first class and you by far are the nicest person. He said, thank you very much. He said, you know, my mom, when I was young, she said, you know, you can be nice to people or you can not be nice to people. And why would you not be nice to people? And it really struck with me because if you have that as a common thread, that's like I said, this is an indirect, thing to the transaction we were talking about the friction but that that the culture of a company a culture of the culture of a business is sometimes can be directly related to the bottom line 
Absolutely. Well, and we run into these situations, like, like for instance, um, you, you go to a, a first-class hotel, and you go into their facility, and they have the policies in place, and they train their people. You know, I'm thinking like Regency or, or some of the upper-class ones, where you bend over backwards. In fact, at the Regency, the CEO participates in training everybody who is hired. They're, they have a web conferencing system and, and there's, there's a 10 minute spell where he's actually doing the training. And he gives them the same message. He says, you are authorized to spend up to $2,000 to fix a problem. No matter what, you are authorized to spend this money to make it right. And I think that that comes from what you're talking about to avoid as much friction as humanly possible. Because if somebody's unhappy with their hotel experience and they want to just be heard, they want maybe somebody to take that a little bit further and actually do something about it. You know, we talked about that in the customer service episode about Nordstrom's um, policy. Do what you think is right. And, and when you empower your employees to do what they think is right, when you empower them by saying you can spend up to two thousand dollars, that's not that's not to say spend two thousand dollars. That's to say, look, if you've we're trying to make we're going to make mistakes. Companies are going to make mistakes. There are going to be errors. When humans are involved, there will be errors. Nobody can be measured on perfection. No. So with that said, understanding that, I think most consumers, like you said, just want to be heard, and they want to find out is this situation going to be corrected? And sometimes it, when you have to go to the higher ups, it takes time. It takes time. <laughs> it takes time. I'm sorry. The, that just frustrates everybody. So Well, and ultimately it costs you customers. So what, what does it cost your business? Let me ask, let me turn this around and ask you the question. What frictions are you putting in place to prevent your customers from the best possible experience? Well, that's a great question. Um, I'd have to think about that. I would like to think that I, I don't have frictions in place. I, I know, well, let me put it this way. I will, I will say I do have some parameters that not all of my clients um, appreciate and some would-be clients have said they can't do business with me. And, and that is, I bill the first of the month, period. I bill the first of the month. All of my clients need payment by the fifth. And because I don't like bookkeeping, I want to get that out of the way right away. Now, that could be a friction. And, and, and it is on some levels, right? Mm -hmm. But I have chosen to say rather than run uh, different pay periods during the, during the course of the month where I'm billing you know, 10 different times during the course of a month or accepting 90 minutes, same as you know, net 90, uh, where the bigger companies can do a net 90 and get away with it, I cannot. Well, and I've heard your explanation on this one. Uh, I think it comes down to, do you have a good reason for the friction. And in your case, it's, well, if I take payments at all times of the month. It's taken away from what I typically would. 
and I'm going to have paying. to raise my prices. Yeah. So in order to keep your pricing down, you limit some of the activities, in this case, the accounting activities. Right. And, and I'm not even saying that people have to agree with me. And, and there are other people that can, they can go to other companies to do their, have them do their social media management. And that's okay. And that's, for me, a price of a cost of doing business that I might lose some clients. But for me, like you said, I would have to be billing and doing things other than what I typically do. Now, if I have a bookkeeper that does that and does all of my invoicing, well, that's, that's one thing. But it's still going to add time. And time is money. Time is money. There is um, one other uh, example I wanted to throw out there. Um, I had a, uh, a customer that really wanted to do things uh, only hard copy, no digital anything. And it, it kind of caught me off guard because in this day and age, we try to do, in our house, try to do things as much green as possible. Recycle, compost. We have very little garbage that we throw away. I even drink green tea. I, it's very true. Uh, and thank you for that. And of course, money is the sign of green too, because we do like green. Um, but this particular um, person I was dealing with is strictly hard copy. That means either physically hand them uh, a check and invoice something like this or vice versa. Um, and I just that aspect, I just didn't quite understand. And I, I deal with it and it's fine. Um, but, you know, it, going back to the, the friction stuff, if you are uh, not many people in your office and you rely on the phone to for people to leave a message, which is in this day and age, that's you have them and and they're leaving a message. Their problem could be solved by the time you get back to them. Uh, that would be one form of friction as well. Absolutely. I used to have the policy. I want the phone answered by the fourth ring, period. And there are actually uh, businesses that have told me, I can't do this social media thing. What am I supposed to spend all day answering people's questions? <laughs> like, well, let's just consider this, like the phone ringing and you staring at it. It's like, I haven't got time to answer it. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today. Um, I do have a quote. If you don't drive your business, you will be driven out of business. B.C. Forbes. I think we know that last name from somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. So until next time, hopefully uh, we've given you what you need today uh, at the Business Buffet. And until next time. Today's episode was brought to you by Vine and Olive Eatery and Wine Bar, located on Main Street in Riverstone. Vine and Olive offers a unique small plate dining and wine bar experience. From the industrial chick decor to the European-inspired small plates executed with Northwest flair, you will enjoy the Inland Northwest's newest food and wine hotspot right in the heart of Coeur d'Alene. That's Vine and Olive, 2037 North Main Street, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thank you for listening to today's Business Buffet podcast. If you came in hungry for some business nuggets, we hope we left you satisfied. Pardon me. We invite you to visit our website, businessbuffet.page. 
Until next time, we hope you eat hearty in business.